Hello, and welcome to the Medical Humanities Podcast, the official podcast of BMJ's Medical Humanities Journal. We invite you to listen in and join the conversation from global perspectives on health, medicine, and accessibility to interviews with social justice activists, filmmakers, artists, and academics from around the world. Stay up to date with public discussions that matter to medicine and humanities because life happens at the intersections. Hello and welcome back to the Medical Humanities Podcast. I'm Brandi Skilache, Editor-in-Chief, and today I have with me Dr. Claire Barker. She's an Associate Professor in English Literature and also Medical Humanities at the University of Leeds. A lot of her interest is post-colonial literature, indigenous literature, and disability studies. And her first book was Post-Colonial Fiction and Disability, Exceptional Children, Metaphor, and Materiality. She also has uh, recently edited the Cambridge Companion to Literature and Disability. And we're really pleased to have her with us today because she just was guest editor on a special issue for medical humanities called Global Genetic Fictions. Claire, thank you for being with us. Thanks very much for having me. I wonder uh, if you could tell us, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting title, it's a global and genetic and fiction all coming mm-hmm. together like that. Um, it came out in June as our special issue. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how did you come to that topic to begin with? What was your what was your original impetus? Because, of course, uh, our listeners know, don't, don't know, it takes a long time to put one of these together. I came to it kind of originally through my own research. Like, as you mentioned, um, I work on post-colonial literatures and I actually came to thinking about genetics and fiction and the connections between them um, through through some of the novels that I was reading. Um, there's a brilliant novel um, by the Maori writer Patricia Gray called Baby No Eyes, which has all kinds of interesting things going on in terms of medical ethics in that novel. But she also connects that with um, genetic research and um, the kind of research that is done um, often with Indigenous communities. So things like the Human Genome Diversity Project, um, where Indigenous communities, uh, you know, have various kinds of genetic tests and things to find out um, about the histories of human migration, human evolution, um, and often kind of seen as, you know, the kind of key to finding out this kind of information. So I, I came to genetics and literature through these texts by indigenous writers that were really questioning the ethics and the politics of genetic research and that were very mm. much coming from the perspective of researched communities. Um, right. And so I started, you know, looking into things like the Human Genome Diversity Project, and that's um, um and from then I moved on to exploring things about biopiracy and biocolonialism. Mm-hmm. So I really very much came to genetics from these, from the perspective of ethical considerations um, and cross-cultural um, issues. What does it mean for genetic researchers based in the global north to re- do research on indigenous communities um, to use that data in whatever ways that they use it, but are often not um, using it, um, you know, to help or support those communities themselves. Just to jump on the back of what you just said there, because I think it's really important um, for those of us who are, are new to this this area. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of work on on disability studies and things at medical humanities, but mm-hmm. specifically the the colonial aspect, the way in which this is a colonizing event. Could you say um, a bit more? I feel like you were kind of moving in that direction, but a bit more about what biocolonialism is and how we've how we've come to understand it more recently. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, a lot of indigenous activists and scholars and commentators 
um, have started to use the phrase biocolonialism to refer to what they see as a kind of a new phase of colonialism that has a lot of continuities with previous um, phases of colonialism. And they're talking about um, the kind of the mining of the human body, essentially, for its riches, for its treasures, for its for its the data, the knowledge that is held within. So, so they're talking about kind of genetic research that is being done on um, indigenous communities, and I'm saying on purposely there, not with, because I think this is a you know a certain mode of research um, in which you know certain communities are seen to have all kinds of valuable information whether because they are um kind of remote or relatively isolated communities who are seen to be genetically purer um than communities that have mixed more um or because maybe because they have resistance to particular diseases or, or things like that so they kind of possess something that is valuable um to researchers who are usually based in the global north and the, the kind of critique of this mode of research is that you know, it's in a it's in a continuum with previous modes of colonialism, rather than um, extracting um, riches from the land or the resources of communities. That they're now kind of looking inside the human body, right? And and that's really interesting. It's a very it's data mining in a very yeah. different kind of context than we yeah. are normally yeah. used to thinking. But I I think that the you you said on that research on was being used quite. Mm-hmm intentionally and I think that's that's really interesting to point out because one of the things that we've really worked hard to try and do as a medical humanities journal that is also focused on social justice mm-hmm. is the concept that you're supposed to be talking with and hearing from yeah but so often the research that comes in is about right uh, or on yeah. as you put it and I think this is also true when you when you're talking about some medical humanities we're quite uh, as a medical humanities journal we're very history history, social sciences, arts, humanity, like we're very humanities based, but sometimes um, even in narrative medicine, you you again get the about and the on Mm -hmm. rather than the with. So it's talking about patients or about communities or about disabled people instead of asking (laughs) to hear from that community. And I think um, what you're looking at is a really interesting intersection because disabled communities are already um, vulnerable and ignored. And then you add to that disabled communities that are also indigenous communities. And I feel like you've really amplified the the problems they're in. Yeah. And I, I think it's important to note that there are lots of other ways of doing research and, and lots of other um, ways of doing research that are happening now. So there are, you know, kind of um, some great work that is being done, you know, with indigenous genomics, kind of thinking about how to, how to do gen, um, genetic research in ways that centralize um, you know, the values, the priorities, the well-being of the communities themselves. So there's lots of indigenous, you know, genetic researchers kind of doing that kind of um, work, um, you know, more recently. But um, the kind of the biocolonial mode um, is one that has been quite long-standing now, and especially with the certain kind of high-profile um, projects like the Human Genome Diversity Project or the Genographic Project, for example. Um, so, so to go back to your previous question about kind of coming to the topic of the issue, when I, when I started thinking about genetics in fiction and, um, you know, the ways that we might look at that, um, it was kind of necessarily global um, in the ways that I wanted to approach it. Um, I think most um, critical work that's been done on um, representations of genetics that has often focused on, you know, texts or cultural representations that 
that come from the global north um, and are more focused on the kind of maybe the philosophical questions that are raised um, by, you know, how we conceptualise ourselves um, in the age of the genome, um, rather than the actual kind of processes and ethics of the, the of the research that's being done and how we're getting that knowledge in the first place. So, yeah, that was my point of departure, really. Yeah, let's switch over to talking a little bit about global genetic fiction, the, the special issue that came out with us in June, and about some of the... Um, you know, your contributors and their perspectives and, and how you address those very problems. I, I know you had a, a relatively wide breadth for this issue, but could you talk a little bit about, you know, how did you go about choosing who would contribute to a special mm-hmm. issue like this one? I organized a symposium um, a couple of years ago. Um, I, I was wanting to see, you know, who's doing this kind of research, who's thinking about genetics and, and representations in literature and culture. Um, so I organized a symposium and invited all the people I could find, you know, who were kind of working around that area. And so there were kind of literary scholars, um, historians of medicine, um, you know, and, and people kind of working on, on the humanities side of things, but with an interest um, in genetics. And so the contributors um, to the issue all, in fact, attended that symposium. And it was quite an interesting moment to hold it, actually, because um, it happened two years ago. And at that point, I couldn't find too much work that was, you know, kind of engaging particularly on the fictional side of things. Um, but since, you know, in the last two years, um, th- three more books have been published about representations of genetics in literature. And it feels like it's a really um, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a kind of an area that's really gathering um, momentum. So the I mean, I, I did keep the remit for the issue quite broad. Um so there are some articles that engage with the kind of questions I've been talking about, biocolonialism, indigenous literatures. Um, but there's also, you know, essays that um, explore genetics in, all, in, in a whole range of different cultural forms from different places in the world, from um, Icelandic crime fiction and its representation of um, Down syndrome, for example, is one of the, one of the articles, um, to poetry, um from a range of different poets who are all kind of exploring through poetry um the the experience of um taking dna um genetic ancestry tests and kind of what that means for your sense of identity and heritage and belonging um you know post-colonial fictions from india that are thinking about you know the implications of you know new genetic ways of understanding where we come from um, in context of diaspora, for example, as Mm -hmm. well. So, yeah, kind of a a variety of different perspectives and across different cultural forms as well. So, you know, like I've mentioned, there's fiction and poetry in there, but there's also TED Talks as one of the most kind of ubiquitous um, and accessible sources of information about scientific advances um, through to, um, you know, literary fiction, um, popular fiction, art. Yeah. Now, one of the things that we run into um, as as a great hurdle, I think, at medical humanities is you want to hear from the you know from people who are in you know all sorts of countries, places you don't normally hear from, from parts of of Asia, from you know the African continent, from you know all these different places. At the same time, it's very difficult when you're you know when all the standards for what's considered right acceptable literature are white and Western. So, mm-hmm. for instance, when we try to, you know, judge articles in their quality and make sure that they are competing in, in you know, high quality control comparative to the other articles that come in, 
you realize that that the entire publication industry is also deeply embedded in a kind of colonial, you know, white, Western, yeah. often masculine idea of what good literature and good research is. And so um, we, we've worked really hard to try and broaden so we are really hearing from other communities and not just giving lip service to that. But did you find that that was also difficult? I mean, when what was the sort of demographics for your conference? Yeah, that, yeah, that is an important um point actually and the demographic I have to say is kind of largely from you know um, academic working in the global north basically. Mm. I've become more aware recently since kind of putting the issue together of work that is being done kind of um, further afield and with a broader kind of cultural scope but I kind of really you know I kind of really wanted to um, start thinking about um genetic fictions as I'm calling it in, in this kind of way thinking more globally mm-hmm. um but I like I say a lot of the work is yeah is being done in the global north and a lot of the, the contributors are it, it's frustrating isn't it I mean and it's not that it's not that it isn't being done other places but the other thing is I, I had a meeting recently with um at higher up in the BMJ and the Institute for Medical Ethics and they said how come we're not we're not seeing more articles coming in from these places and I explained that you can't passively expect them they, they haven't mm-hmm. ever been invited, <laughs> you know, and they've mm-hmm. been excluded for an awful long time. And so it's really the onus, I think, is is on publications like our own mm-hmm. and universities to really actually reach out and, and try to, to bring these people in. And that, that comes down to funding as well. I mean, you've got Plan mm-hmm. S looming and the uh, welcome largely is funding still um, European and Global North scholars for things for open access and stuff like that so um it's i feel like as i was uh, i'm very interested in the 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 global genetic fictions and i think about how even as we try to break out of these spaces and include more work from it's it's difficult all the hurdles are there because of the structure the whole systemic process of publication Mm -hmm. literature universities tends to be stacked against that happening and so um this is one of the reasons why i like the fact that you focused on fiction because the fictions themselves were often were written by the indigenous people you know you're actually yeah. you are hearing from them but even if it's not the researchers so it's it's a really interesting way of kind of trying to get around those those problems and those struggles absolutely and and you know as you said these these are kind of systemic issues and i think one of the issues kind of working in this this particular area is again is you know what is believed to constitute science as well um, because there's a long history for example of indigenous scientific knowledge being kind of discounted as you know belief rather than knowledge or you know or being you know unscientific in some way because it's you know it's a mode of science that doesn't conform to the kind of narrow ways that science is conducted you know in western institutions as well and so what's what's really great about some of the fictions um that I'm interested in is that they really question that and kind of, uh, you know, take apart the assumptions that about what constitutes science, what constitutes knowledge, what constitutes appropriate forms of knowledge. And, and also kind of, you know, asking questions about whether certain kinds of forms of research should be done or not. So not kind of Mm -hmm. like, how do we do this um, in order to meet the ethical requirements or the ethical standards that are, our field has kind of set for itself but actually you know should we be doing it in the first place and what are the benefits and to whom um as well so asking you know really difficult questions about you know the institutions of science itself I think yeah and I I only I bring it up partly because I I'm frustrated by the limits myself um I can't 
accept, you know, you, you do have standards as a journal, for instance, and you do have to accept certain kinds of things and not other things. Um, how do you make sure that you're doing that in a way that is culturally aware <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that isn't just, you know, discounting something because you're like, well, that doesn't look like it came from <laughs> Oxford or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so um, I think I, th- I find that that's a challenge. And I think that's a challenge that we as publishers, you as, as a guest editor, myself as a regular editor, uh, have to engage with in a really active way. And this is what I was kind of saying in the meeting earlier, is that you can't do it passively. You have to actively, mm-hmm. just like you were saying, you have to ask these hard questions about, you know, not just are you following the guidelines that have been set, but are the guidelines problematic? And I think that's um, that's new territory. And I, th- I think, you know, I, we, we're using the term fictions quite loosely in, in the issue, not just to refer to you know, works of fiction, um, you know, literature and fictional narratives, but but the kind of beliefs that spring up around genetics and the um, popular understandings of genetics that become kind of embedded as, as, as a form of knowledge or as a form of, um, you know, cultural currency almost as well. So the ideas that are invested in that may not um, be necessarily scientific, but are kind of connected to you know, the, the implications that genetic that genetic knowledge has, you know, for a whole range of things from how we understand um, our uh, ancestry and heritage, our, our current identity, our, you know, likelihood of catching particular illnesses or diseases, you know, all those things, they all have kind of fictional narratives built around them that kind of, you know, permeate through culture. Um, and what the kind of creative representations are able to do is really kind of interrogate those and sometimes expose, um, you know, sometimes expose the kind of the situated nature of particular um, belief systems. So, for example, we've got one article that um, um, shows how fictional texts in the 1990s were really kind of pushing back against the kind of genetic determinism that was arising when the human genome project was kind of in full swing so as this was kind of happening and you know um the kind of you know news media was full of stories about they were kind of investing in an idea of genetic determinism that we might find a gene for this condition or a gene for this you know behavioral trait or whatever how fiction was really kind of pushing back against that and kind of saying hang on a minute this is a very very narrow way of looking at you know human nature or behavior Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I find that that's absolutely, absolutely true. Um, and I know we're running close to time, but I wanted to mm-hmm. say to our listeners, if uh, first of all, we for accessibility purposes, there will be a transcript available of this on our podcast when the pod, uh, when the SoundCloud is released uh, up on our blog. And I will also just say, if you haven't checked out the June special issue, June 2021 special issue of uh, Medical Humanities, Global Genetic Fictions, please do. The article's very good. And in addition to that, we have a lot of the content up on the blog as mini lay summaries along some of some people also posted some audio content up there as well, just to tell you how they feel about their projects. So we're really keen for you to explore that and check that out. And in addition, uh, like Claire, I too am interested in hearing more about this area in a from and with kind of way rather than an about and at kind of way. And so if this is your area of expertise, if you're interested in indigenous literatures, post-colonialism, uh, genetics. These are all things that we're interested in too at Medical Humanities. And we hope that you will uh, join us for more work here and also for future podcasts. Claire, any parting words you'd like to leave us with before we sign off for today? Thank you for listening. And I hope people, readers find the issue kind of illuminating and you know fascinating. And I do feel like we're at 
you know, there's a kind of a wave of work beginning on this kind of topic now. So it's just going to be very interesting to see, you know, what directions that is taken in in the future. Thank you once more for joining us. We're so happy that you could be part of the conversation. Thank you for listening to the Medical Humanities Podcast. Since 2020, transcripts are available for all shows on our blog. Stay in touch by reading the journal and blog online. Just follow the links in the episode description. We are also on Twitter as medhums underscore BMJ.